Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the PFN Scouting Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Miller, joined, as always, by my co-host, Ian Cummings. And today, we are talking about the week three prospect matchups that we are most excited for. Listen, there is no true down week in college football. There will always be a couple of games to keep an eye on. Is it a little bit of a slower-paced week than we would like? Maybe. But there is more than enough to keep your attention on this college football Saturday. But first, I always have to ask, Ian, how are you doing today? Doing good. Doing good. Just getting through the slog of the scouting season. You know, it's always fun. And uh, yeah, you mentioned it a little bit down this week in terms of prospect matchups, right? But you can always find some uh, wherever you are in the college football season. We're not in the thick of conference season, right? So we don't have Alabama, Georgia. We don't have like other crazy conference matchups, North Carolina and Florida State, right? But, you know, we've still got a few very good games this week and uh, a few that are kind of intra-conference, right? But really important matchups. So I'm excited to see what we got on tap. And uh, uh, we've got a lot of prospect matchups on our podcast sheet here, and we're going to roll through it. Yes, and we do have to roll through it because if you guys listen to the podcast, you guys know that we have the gift of gab. So let's get to it immediately. And Ian, I'm looking at the sheet here. We just want to kind of go over the bolded ones first, and then if we can hit anything else, then we hit anything else. Is that correct? Is that that how we want to do this? That sounds like the most efficient use of time. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Okay. So the first one we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the Penn State game against Illinois. And I think the big matchup here, it's bolded, and I think it's the biggest matchup, is Penn State tackle Olu Fashano versus Illinois edge Seth Coleman and defensive lineman, defensive tackle, defensive end. What the heck is he? He's really good. (laughs) Jerzon Newton. I am really excited about this. I got to see Olu in person against Delaware last week, and Delaware could do literally nothing against him. He's He is... And this is the difference between like watching football on tape and watching football in person is when you are in person and you can see them moving on the field in real life. I don't know if it's the perspective of, of being in person or what it is. You are able to see kind of these differences in athleticism a lot more. I remember the first time I went down to the Shrine Bowl when I was uh, covering stuff for Pro Football Network. And I went down and I watched. We were at Tropicana. And being down on the field and seeing how fast these guys are in person gives you a completely different perspective on the level of athletes that these guys are. When I saw Olu playing against Delaware, it was just night and day, the type of athlete he was compared to everybody else on the field. His hands are amazing. He was absolutely like air moving against that defensive line. Nothing got him in terms of defensive line games, he had about as perfect a game as you can have as an offensive lineman. And I'm really excited to see how he goes up against Newton because, I mean, I think both you and I believe Newton is right around, you know, a top 20 prospect in this class. Mm-hmm. And the exciting part about Newton, too, is that he's really alignment versatile, right? Yeah. Like he can play three tech. Uh, he can even he can even uh, shade outside of one tech, right? And kind of stun across alignments. But he can play as wide as five tech. And he took a few reps at like seven tech, too, last year. Not often, but he does have the athleticism, the ankle flexion to do it. Uh, 6'2", around 290, right? So really stout, well-leveraged lineman who can just pry around blocks with that ankle flexion, really surgical hands. Uh, And he's got really impressive strength for his frame, too. You know, he's not the biggest guy, but he's got that prying strength where he can deconstruct blocks and get around you. Uh, So I'm really excited to see what he can do. I think, you know, the adjective that came to mind for me 
uh, was slippery. I mean, you don't see many interior defensive linemen or defensive linemen in general who are as slippery as he is, right? He's not the biggest guy, but he can just get through. He's very good at just deconstructing and penetrating in, on the interior and, and clogging gaps and then, you know, generating pressure in the pass rushing phase too. So, you know, very versatile, very uh, high utility lineman wherever he goes. But then Seth Coleman as well, edge rusher. Uh, he came into the season, I think, around 240 pounds, but he's 6'5". He's got phenomenal length too. Uh, really explosive, twitchy rusher who's got really surprising uh, bouts of ankle flexion on his tape too. So he can pinch the corner. He can kind of pinch those tight angles. Uh, and there are flashes of very good hand usage on his tape too. So, you know, I think... Illinois is going to mix it up with how they use those guys. And even Keith Randolph Jr., he can he can play outside of five tag too. So Fashanu may draw him at times. And he's a guy who's even more powerful, I think, than Newton uh, at 6'5", 300. So, you know, another high-energy lineman. But, you know, they're going to draw contrasting play styles. Fashanu is, right? You've got the bendy, explosive edge rusher in Coleman. Uh, you've got the surgical technician in Jerzon Newton who's got that, you know, really unique play power uh, for that alignment outside. But then uh, Keith Randolph as well is another very powerful lineman. So they've got all the different flavors on that Illinois defensive line. And I think Fashanu is going to be tested more than he has so far. Uh, we mentioned him against West Virginia a couple weeks ago. Uh, Sean Martin and Jared Bartlett, another contrasting duo. And he fared very well against them. So I'm excited to see what he can do here because I think this is the first bona fide first round talent that he's faced in Jerzad Newton. Newton may be an interior lineman, but I'm willing to bet he's going to face off against Fashanu more than once. Uh, and it's going to be fascinating to see how he fares. Yeah. And obviously you also have guys like Chop Robinson and Indisa Isaac, but I wanted to bring up just quickly in person. I had a lot of trouble actually watching Chop Robinson and it's all because Abdul Carter on that defensive line for Penn State. That's a name that we can have circled in Penn, uh, one of the top uh, NFL draft prospects of next year's class. He is a freak. Um, the next game we're going to talk about, LSU versus Mississippi State. And I think the big ones here, I know that we originally only had one of these bolded. I needed to bold a second <laughs> one because I need to talk about a draft crush. Yeah. LSU. Wide receiver Malik Neighbors versus Mississippi State cornerback Deca Marion Richardson. I'm excited about this one. I think that we've seen, you know, kind of a, a quiet start to Malik Neighbors' season. I don't think that it's necessarily been bad because I thought that he was good in that first game. I thought that, you know, the ball just kind of didn't come his way. They had some, you know, protection issues. He had to create a little bit. I thought that he had the, the type of physicality that we saw last season. I thought that the route running was also there. I liked what I had seen on tape from him. I think the biggest problem is he needs to somehow find a way to separate himself or, or try to regain some of the hype that he had around his draft capital because of guys like Keon Coleman uh, really starting to come out of their own shell and produce like crazy mm -hmm. and then you have you know him going up against a, a pretty good defensive backfield in mississippi state and obviously decamary and richardson is is kind of at the top there it'll be interesting to see what jalen or jalen jalen daniels see now i'm even forgetting about my draft crush in jaden <laughs> because jalen daniels was so good last week uh, it'll be interesting to see how efficient Jaden can be and how often he can get the ball to neighbors yeah for sure and it's you know just one thing that we often see from bona fide first round receiver talents is that when you're that good you're going to get targets no matter what right you know it, it, it you reach a certain point where if you're good enough 
the ball is going to flow to you, you know, kind of like that funnel effect. Uh, we've seen it with many other guys, and it's kind of uh, indicative of Keon Coleman's early production, right? And obviously they have, you know, a very good passer in Jordan Travis. They have a lot of weapons to play off each other, right? So that Florida State offense is definitely uh, very fine-tuned, but Keon Coleman just had the ball kept coming his way in that, in that LSU game. And even when he was in 50-50 matchups, right, you know, they're letting him test himself, and he's coming away big with those opportunities. So, you know, Malik Neighbors has not been quite at that level so far this year where the ball just keeps coming his way. And I think it's part of that, too, uh, is, you know, the LSU offense isn't quite clicking as much as an offense like Florida State, right? And maybe that'll come with time. Uh, we know that Jalen Tom, uh, Jalen Daniels can pass, can pass efficiently in the in the um, quick game when he needs to, right? So I think, I think it'll come in time, right? I think this is going to be a good opportunity for them because the Mississippi State defense, they have some pieces, right? But it's not a dominating unit. You've got yeah. Kumedi on the defensive line. You've got Nathaniel Watson, linebacker, who's a pretty solid underrated player. But aside from that, you know, I don't think there's anything precluding the LSU offense from really producing here. And talking about Richardson at corner, you know, Emmanuel Forbes was the big ticket item, the first rounder last cycle. Uh, Forbes was incredible, explosive, ball hawk, just really the transition speed that you see from him is, is insane. Very agile, very twitchy athlete, very competitive too. Richardson, I don't think is quite as fluid, right? He's a very long physical corner, and that's going to be how he tests neighbors because you mentioned it with neighbors. Not the biggest guy in terms of a length standpoint. I think he's gotten up to 200 pounds now. So he's got enough density too. He's got really good contact balance for his size. Really good physicality, right? You know, very tenacious player. Uh, but how does he fare against a corner who's got a little bit of an edge size-wise? I think that'll be fun to see. Because I do think Neighbors has the edge from the agility, explosiveness, the speed standpoint. Athletically, I think he's got that edge and he can use that to his advantage, stacking him downfield or separating his stems. You know, I think all that's there for him. But I think this could be a game where Neighbors really starts to take that next step and starts to validate his early stock with production now. And, you know, where, no matter what, you know, you want the film to come first, right? The film coming to the season said that Neighbors was very good. And he's had some plays where he's flashed that ability. Uh, but the numbers do, you want the numbers to align at some point. I think this could be a good opportunity for that to happen. And speaking about numbers aligning, the numbers for Jaquavius Marks are <laughs> aligning with my love for him. So far this season, 43 carries, 250 yards. That is eight, 5.8 yards a pop. He's got three touchdowns in two games, and he has caught eight passes for 91 yards. Listen, he has caught a ton of passes in the past. He caught 83 of them in 2021 alone, but he uh, has never really averaged a, a great number as a receiver four and a half yards as a freshman six yards as a, a sophomore six yards as a junior if he can stick around that 10 yard mark as a receiver out of the backfield that will be huge for him when it comes to you know the explosiveness and the twitchiness the ability to make guys miss when you catch the ball out of the backfield because i, I think we talk about receiving ability quite a bit with guys but if you're if all you are is a check down guy who, you know, maybe you can pick up a third, uh, a first down on third and seven, but most likely it's going to be a check down and it's going to end up being fourth and three. That doesn't have a whole lot of value. You might as well stay in and block and hope that the quarterback's able to get through another progression and find a receiver downfield for a first down. If he can prove that he can be more, maybe not a downfield weapon, but somebody who can create as a receiver a little bit more. I think that that would be huge for him going into the NFL draft. Obviously, we want to see him, uh, his ability to pass protect as well. I thought that he was good at that. 
Um, I thought that he was willing. I thought that he was actually quite intelligent when it comes to his assignments when he was supposed to be pass protecting. But he's a smaller guy, so he got beat up a little bit as well. I think going up against a guy like Omar Spates is awesome because the, the, the one thing that Spates does the best is come downhill and smack people. So I want to see if he's able to break a couple of tackles against Spates because in that first game against Florida State, everyone was missing tackles against Florida State, but Omar Spates was the guy who was bringing people down. Mm -hmm. So I want to see what Marks has against a guy like Spates, a downhill run defending linebacker. Yeah, I saw that matchup on the sheet, and I wrote it down, and I was like, yeah, he's going to bold that one. He's going to bold that. It's going to happen at some point. But Marks is you know, a very, very versatile running back, but you mentioned it, right? Like if all you can do – is those short swing routes like the out routes out of the out of the backfield right if you don't have that variety in your route tree right you're a little more predictable you know defenses kind of know what to expect from you and that kind of constricts what you can do in that phase so adding a new di dimension to that could be very valuable for him and then you know going against omar spates to spates to me in my preseason evaluation i was really impressed at how you know uh, the all-around utility with him is really impressive right because he can come downhill uh, he's got really good explosiveness coming downhill, but that take on strength too. He's like 6'1", 237. So he's rocked up. He's got a lot of play strength, uh, but he can play in coverage too. He's agile. He's fluid enough too. Uh, and he can match running backs and stems and he's got enough explosiveness and speed to carry them to the sideline as well. So, you know, I think just a really well-rounded player and a very solid tackler too. So you need to win every part of the rep to, just to get open, but then showing that you can break through contact against him too. That's just another deal entirely. So I think he'll, he'll test marks in every phase of the game. And this could be an opportunity for either one of them to make a statement and say, Hey, you know, I'm the superior prospect in this phase. So uh, that's a little fun prospect matchup that I will definitely be tuning into. And the next one we're going to get to, we are on to another game, another sec contest, South Carolina quarterback, Spencer Rattler versus the Georgia defense. I, I fear for uh, Spencer Rattler here because that offensive line is not very good. And George's defense is very good. That defensive line is going to get after him. It's going to be a tough day for Spencer Rattler. And I think that these are the kinds of games that are really going to dig. He's going to have to really dig deep into his character, stay upright and get back upright when he gets knocked down because he's going to get knocked down a lot. And I think, you know, going to the NFL side of things real quick, what we saw from Daniel Jones against the Dallas Cowboys, that kind of environment, it's just simply not conducive to success. I want to see in that unsuccessful series, which we're probably going to get, I want to see him keep calm in the pocket and not let it affect his decision making to the point where he's making awful decisions with the football. Sometimes taking a sack is the best thing that you can do for your offense. I want to see that processing speed be as quick as I thought that it has been so far this season. I think that that's something that he has really improved, the confidence in what he is seeing. And I want to see that again with what is going to be his toughest defensive test of the season.
Yeah, for sure. I think the Georgia defense is really built to just take time away from the quarterback in both phases, right? You look at the defensive line, uh, obviously Nazir Stackhouse can encumber blocks, but he's got some underrated pass rushing flashes for his size. You've got Michael Williams, who's not eligible right now, but he's a guy who we're going to be looking at, I think, in the near future as an early round edge prospect because of his ability to you know, get outside and get around the tackles. Uh, Chaz Chambliss has made some plays, some flash plays that Jack linebacker Smale Mondin very versatile linebacker who can be a blitzing threat too. But then in coverage as well, Tyke Smith has been very, very authoritative, tenacious coming downhill, right? And from that uh, hybrid star role, and he's very physical, uh, very explosive. Javon Bullard is a guy who's got that dog in him. Uh, he's a guy who's played a little bit of strong safety, a little bit of nickel as well for Georgia, but another guy who flows the ball really quickly downhill, and he will shock you, uh, right? So these guys, they flow downhill fast. They take away those short routes. And Spencer Rattler, he's got to process that, right? So he's got to process that. And at the same time, there's going to be a lot of pressure coming downhill from that defensive line that's always multifaceted, always very, um, very, you know, aggressive on the attack, right? So those two factors combined, pressure and coverage, it's always the the winning combination for Georgia. But I think this year in particular, too, you know, it's still there. You've got a lot of young talent. And then Malachi Starks, too. Uh, at safety, who's another uh, guy who could be a first rounder in 2025. Uh, if Rattler tries to test him deep too, the lid might be closed, right? So I think this Georgia defense is built to really put pressure on the quarterback this year more than, you know, every year, but especially this year. And I think for Spencer Rattler, a quarterback who can uh, produce some volatile results under pressure, uh, the key for him, as you mentioned, sometimes you're going to face circumstances where the win is pretty unlikely. So you know, can you just stay true to your game, stay efficient, minimize, you know, big losses on plays, right? And just try to keep your team in it. Uh, even if he doesn't come away with the win, I don't think that can be a knock against him this week in particular because he's going to be facing pretty heavy odds. But if he can just stay steady, you know, stay true to his game and not be the cause of his team's volatility, uh, that'll be a good start. Yes. And the next matchup we're going to talk about is in the same game we have two in this one. I want to talk a little bit about Tonka Hemingway, the South Carolina defensive tackle versus Georgia's Cedric Van Pran. And I want to talk about this because Van Pran, I think for both of us, is the best center in this draft class, yeah. correct? Mm -hmm. And when I look at a guy like Hemingway, I'm really interested to see what kind of of play he's able to to produce against a guy that is such a high level uh talent like van pram because you know I, I liked him quite a bit but late in the season i did see you know against some other nfl competition you saw van pran get a little bit over his skis and i think tonka hemingway is a guy who you know he doesn't have great bend he doesn't have you know great explosiveness but he plays his absolute tush off and I want to see that type of tenacity. I want to see Van Pran. And, and Hemingway has pretty good power. But mm -hmm. I want to see Van Pran really hold up to down in, down out, Hemingway punching him in the mouth. Because that is what's going to happen if he gets those one-on-one -on -one opportunities with him. Now, obviously, if there's a bunch of double teams and, and you know they're running a bunch of duo, it's going to be a little bit different. But I want to see how that looks against, you know, specifically in pass protection. Because I think that, where I saw some of the flaws with Van Pran's game, I, I think it was in the pass protection phase and not as much in the run game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Van Pran's bread and butter is 
giddy out in space attacking guys because he's super explosive i mean getting the second level it just happens in a snap with him and then he's yeah. incredibly physical uh and he's got good density good strength so i think going on the attack and being authoritative is really his strength but when you're in pass pro you got to be a little more patient a little more disciplined with your technique your leverage that's where things can go a little bit awry with him and you mentioned tonka hemingway you know, he's aptly named because he looks like a Tonka truck out there sometimes. I mean, he's heavy handed, he's long and powerful. And I think that style of play is something that can exploit some of the volatility in Cedric Van Pran's game as a pass protector. So I think staying measured, staying composed, keeping your leverage through reps, I think that'll be key for him. But yeah, I mean, I love that you mentioned this one because I think both these prospects, again, we got to see how often they face each other one-on-one, -on -one, right? Because Tonka Hemingway, there'll be some reps where he's a three-tech and he's going up against the guard, right? They might not see a ton of each other, uh, but there will be other instances where maybe they do. So I think you want to keep an eye on that and see how they fare. And in particular, too, I mean, just that Georgia offensive line in general. I mean, it's always a, a well-oiled machine. It's always a very cohesive unit. Xavier Truss, a guard, is another very good player, too. Amarius Mims, th there may be some blocks where Mims is moving inside. He's taking on Hemingway, too. So um, no matter what, no matter who he's facing, there's going to be talent on the other side that you can prove yourself against. So I think Hemingway, this will be a good test for him. And another good test, I think, is going to be Kansas State quarterback Will Howard versus Missouri's defense. Now, I haven't gotten to see a ton of Will Howard. He was obviously ridiculously productive last season. Talk to me a little bit about what you've seen him, and then uh, tell me about what kind of your favorite matchup is on the defensive side of the ball with him. Yeah, for sure. I think Will Howard, he's kind of remained in our sleeper QB discussion, right? He was in our sleeper QB podcast. Uh, he's not quite in our top 10 yet. I, I don't know if he rises into the day two range, but such um, a good class. Yeah, it's, it's such a good ridiculous. class. And that yeah, that's one thing. It's indicative of the class's depth, too. But I think Will Howard, you know, he's round six, four, six, five, two forty. So he's a big dude. You know, he's a really good pocket passer i think the pocket operation ability particularly how it's grown since his freshman season he was one of those passers who got thrown into the fire pretty early right and that's when pressure can really take over as a young quarterback and he was really volatile early in his career he ended up being benched and he was kind of a backup for a few years uh then adrian martinez had the starting job for kansas state early on in 2022 but will rogers uh he or will howard he ended up taking it i'm, I'm getting my qbs mixed up but um, Howard ended up taking the role back and had a few rocky bumps early on, but he really caught his stride and ended up helping lead Kansas State to a Big 12 championship. So, you know, he's got that, you know, there's that redemptive arc that you've seen, which you always want to see quarterbacks face adversity and then fight through it. And Will Howard absolutely did that. I think he has good general tools. I think he's a good athlete for his size. I think he has decent arm talent, too. Uh, for me, the really impressive parts of his game is the pocket management i think he's very good at navigating the pocket staying composed and poised as he does so i think he's a good processor i think he's a good decision maker he's very measured he'll take what the defense gives him and he's pretty accurate too right so is he elite in any one area i'm not sure but i think the pocket navigation the accuracy the ability to process quickly and, and you know make decisions quickly those are all there with him so i think this game could be a good test for just how how good those traits are on the on the gradient right we know they're good but can he, because he doesn't quite have elite physical talent, can he take the next step and really reach that tier to offset the non-elite physical talent? I think that'll be key for him. And I think this Missouri defense is really, really apt to test him in that regard. We say the word test a lot on this podcast, the uh, prospect matchups. But, you know, hey, that's what we're looking for. Guys to be challenged and how they respond to it. Uh, so this Missouri defense, right, Chris Abrams drain. 
at corner. I think he's going to be the biggest test for them because uh, he's going up against Phillip Brooks at wide receiver. Brooks has been productive so far this year, but Abrams drain really twitchy, high energy, fleet footed cover man, really good ball skills. Uh, he plays beyond his frame. He's a little bit lighter, but he's pretty chippy. You know, you like to see that competitive toughness. Ennis Rakestraw on the other side, another guy who's pretty twitchy, a little long limbed, a little leaner, but he's another guy who's got very good ability at the catch point, converting and playing the ball through the catch point. On the defensive line, Darius Robinson, powerful, heavy-handed blocker with great proportional length. He can be a forklift on the interior. Christian Williams is a guy that I really like. He's kind of well-leveraged, kind of that sawed-off defender who's got that same explosiveness. And then Niles Gaddy um, from Jackson State. He's a transfer from the FCS level. He's got two and a half sacks through three games, or I think only two games from Missouri. So he's been very productive. He's another very explosive, long-limbed edge rusher who's got great power capacity, uh, great motor on the attack as well. Uh, he could be a legitimate riser in the 2024 NFL draft. Uh, so he could be a guy who kind of challenges Will Howard and forces them to step up and kind of take those shots in the pocket. Uh, and then Tyron Hopper, I haven't even mentioned him yet, but versatile, explosive linebacker, very good in coverage. He's got some blitzing utility. So uh, overall, I think at all three levels, the Missouri defense has the pieces to put the pressure on Will Howard. And, you know, this will be a big, a big game for him. I think they played each other last year. I can't remember who won. But this is a familiar opponent, one that they know, but one that they know is going to be tough as well. So I think Will Howard, you know, he's a very good pocket operator. He's got enough talent, but can he lead his team to a win in a crucial in a statement game? Uh, I think that'll be the biggest thing for him. Yeah, um, for me, Tyron Hopper is is one of my favorite players in this draft class. So I'm I'm really super excited to see kind of what he looks like just over the season as I watch him when we get into some of the more, you know, SEC play. I want to see if he's able to kind of reproduce what he was able to last year. He reminds me a lot of another Missouri linebacker who went there a couple of years ago and has been a pretty good NFL linebacker despite not testing like an elite athlete at the NFL Combine. So moving on to the next game we have here, we have Ole Miss against Georgia Tech and you bolded this one and it's the only one that you bolded out of kind of our miscellaneous prospect matchups so take me through what intrigues you about this matchup yeah so um yeah and there's a few other ones that I thought about bolding uh I think um yeah like uh Travis Glover versus Yabi Oki Damon Clowney that's a power a group of five one that's pretty intriguing uh you've got Kingsley Suamataya versus Trajan Jeffcoat. Very another long, heavy-handed rusher at Arkansas going up against a potential first-round tackle. But uh, Georgia Tech and Ole Miss, man, that one stood out to me for multiple reasons. I think one, uh, just from a team-to-team standpoint, Georgia Tech has been much more productive this year. Uh, they got Haynes King, at quarterback, who's actually kind of embarking on a resurgence. He's been very productive. The passing offense is doing work. Um, so I think they might have the firepower now that they've kind of opened up their offense a bit to potentially give a challenge to a team like Ole Miss. Uh, but then at the same time, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, when I was doing my ACC preview before the season, uh, Georgia Tech kind of stood out to me with kind of the under-the-radar prospects that they had. K.J. Wallace in the slot is one guy that I really liked. Uh, he's a Notre Dame transfer. He's already had three pass deflections so far this year, so already having one of his most productive seasons on the ball but also a guy who flows downhill quickly. He's got the physicality that you want to see from your slot defenders, kind of suffocating those interior wide receivers. Uh, the, I think the biggest test for him 
will be the Ole Miss explosiveness. One thing that Ole Miss receivers always are is explosive. And that is the same. That is the case this year. Trey Harris, a transfer they got from Louisiana Tech. He's been very productive already through this year. Uh, he's around 6'2", 205. So he's got the size and he accelerates in a hurry. He gets vertical very quick. Jordan Watkins is a well-known speed threat from his time at Louisville. Uh, and he They use his speed to stretch the field a lot, but he can get open in the middle of the field as well. Uh, so Ole Miss has the dynamic ability. They have that athleticism. K.J. Wallace really want to see how he kind of handles that and how he stays measured out of the slot. But then LaMiles Brooks at safety, too. This is a guy who's around 6'1", uh, close to 200. He's very he's long, right? He's got that athleticism, but he's very fluid, too. That was one thing that I noticed for him. Uh, the discipline with his positioning from 2022 can improve a little bit. But one of those guys who has the size and the, and the coverage mobility, the fluidity, that you want to see, you know, from a guy who can play single high or two high, you know, adjusting his hip leverage is not very hard for him, despite his height. So I think LaMiles Brooks, and he's shown that he can make plays over the top. I think he has enough range to do it. I think this Ole Miss receiving core is going to be a great fit for him in terms of matchups because of the speed and the explosiveness they have. And if they can limit some big plays, they can get the ball in the hands of their offense. Maybe Georgia Tech makes this a close one. I don't know, but I think it's going to start with that receiver secondary matchup. And there's a few prospects to watch within that. I love it. You know, I'm, I'm sitting here. This is a, a little bit of uh, my flu game. I am sick. I am trying to just kind of survive here. But it is very nice to sit here and listen to somebody who can rattle off so much fantastic information about the entire college football landscape, even the conferences that you are not assigned to, like the SEC, which is my neck of the woods. <laughs> you uh, continue to put in the work. And you continue to be an absolute rock star. And I thank you for putting me on your back throughout the course of this podcast specifically <laughs> because I am struggling to keep my eyes open. Guys, I hope you enjoy week three of the college football season. Week four will be better because I will be back to 100% and we will have some awesome matchups to go over for week four. We'll talk about week three quickly next week on monday is there anything else you want to go over in the matchups before we close it out any any other ones that we forgot to mention you know i don't think any caught my eye um i, I think the one that i would have brought up would have been malachi uh corley versus ohio state's defense but i don't know the injury update on corley at the moment yeah, that'll be the big one because I want to see him against Denzel Burke, man, because Burke, explosive, physical, really good ball skills too. But I think Corley has enough speed to potentially challenge him in open field, so that'll be a fun one. I want to circle back to Illinois and Penn State real quick because okay. I know we talked about Jerzon Newton going up against Olu Fashanu, but there are some other ones to go over in this matchup too. Keandre Lambert-Smith has been very productive early on for Penn State. He's kind of taken that primary receiver role for them. Another guy who fits that explosive uh, rack mold, but he can be a vertical threat too. And Drew Aller's gone to him a lot, uh, facing off against Tavion Nicholson, a really physical, tenacious defender who's got really appealing coverage, mobility, the foot speed, uh, and then the ability to the click and close ability for me is really what sold me on him because he just he closes downhill in a flash. Reaction speed is through the roof, um, but he hasn't been super productive yet this year. I think part of that is just he's not being tested. Uh, so I think this will be a fun one for him. On the other side of the ball. You've got Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac. Uh, you mentioned 
who's the other one? Abdul Carter, right? So not eligible, but a really fun edge rusher group. But the Illinois offensive line is very good too. Julian Pearl at left tackle, a little heavy footed, but he's very powerful, very physical. Um, and he's got pretty solid technique too. I think he counteracts the lacking athleticism with good technique. And then Isaiah Adams at guard too uh, is a very, very good player, very physical. Again, they really set the tone on that Illinois front. Uh, but he can he can kick out the tackle. I think he has enough athleticism to do it. He's shown he can do it in a flash. Uh, so they may face him there. And then Kalen King versus Isaiah Williams. That's one I'm actually, you know, a little more intrigued to see. We know Kalen King. We know the story on him. We've talked about him multiple times. Another guy who's just very high energy cover cover man. You know, he's another guy who just brings the smoke, despite not being the biggest guy. You know, he will get in your grill. He's got really good foot speed, really good fluidity, route intelligence, and route recognition abilities through the roof again. But Isaiah Williams, man, if you get stuck with Isaiah Williams in man coverage, he is shifty. Uh, he is very, very good change of direction, very good stop and start ability. And he can use that to put defensive backs on a string. And if he gets the ball in space too, very tough to tackle. One-on-one is a rack threat with his ability to make you miss and ability to disrupt tackling angles. So uh, a lot to watch in that Illinois-Penn State game. I think that's the, the first marquee Big Ten matchup that we've seen this year. And I think it reaches the hype. I think it matches the hype. And uh, I don't know if Illinois beats Penn State, knocks them down that pedestal, but they've got enough NFL draft talent to make it a close one. The last one I'm going to bring up, and I'm going to bring this one up uh, very quickly here, is South Carolina wide receiver Xavier Leggett versus Georgia cornerback Kamari Lassiter. And that is mostly because our guy at South Carolina, Juice, isn't playing. And so Leggett is the guy right now for South Carolina. He had a huge game in week one. And I want to see what he's able to do against some really stiff competition. A lot of people like Kamari Lassiter quite a bit. Obviously, he's a Georgia defensive back. I want to see kind of the the biggest thing that I look at when I look at Kirby Smart defenses and Nick Saban defenses that is the, the processing ability. It's part of the reason why I am so high on somebody like Kool-Aid McKinstry. I know a lot of people look at him and they're like, oh, he's six foot one, he's 195 pounds, he's a press man corner. No, he's not. He's his own corner. He can play press man. But I want to see Lassimer and the processing ability because there it is such a, a vast defensive playbook. There's so much going on in their zone match coverages. And I want to see processing and being able to defend against somebody like Leggett, who has been very productive so far this year. I love it, man. I love it. There's so many matchups to go over. I feel like we could even even with the the lesser ones, we could spend like 10 to 15 more minutes. But hey, we're actually getting out of here in a, at a reasonable we are. time. So I'm going to I'm going to hand it over to you before we start talking about something else before we hit that <laughs> dangerous landmark. Uh, let's 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 send them off. Yes, let's send you guys off. Have fun watching college football in week three. We love it. We're going to be sitting down and watching it. And uh, I love you guys. Goodbye.